0: Good night, girls. So tonight, we start a new book, a new season of the podcast. So let's see here. Alice Through the Looking Glass is is the name of our new book. Let's see what we have here. It uh-huh. opens up with a poem. So let's read the poem. Child of the pure, unclouded brow, and dreaming eyes of wonder, Though time be fleet, and I and thou are half a life asunder, thy loving smile will surely hail the love gift of a fairy tale. I have not seen thy sunny face nor heard thy silver laughter. No thought of me shall find a place in thy young life's hereafter. Enough that now thou wilt not fail to listen to my fairy tale. A tale begun in other days when summer suns were glowing. A simple chime that served to time the rhythm of our rowing. Whose echoes live in memory yet, though envious your ears would say forget come hearken then ear voice of dread with bitter tidings laden shall summon to unwelcome bed a melancholy maiden we are but older children dear who fret to find our bedtime near without the frost the blinding snow the storm winds moody madness within the firelight's ruddy glow and childhood's nest of gladness The magic words shall hold thee fast. Thou shalt not heed the raving blast. And though the shadow of a sigh may tremble through the story, for happy summer days gone by and vanished summer glory, it shall not touch with breath of bail the pleasance of our fairy tale. Very nice. I wish I could ask you if you think we should stop and analyze the poem a little bit, I can't really so, but we're gonna do that, so let's just try to understand what he's talking about. I captured i i i captured i I got I understood that it has to do with back when he was much younger. He was with someone else and they would sing and tell tales and it seems like they were children. And let's see. So, child of the pure, unclouded brow and dreaming eyes of wonder. So he's talking to someone whom he used to know when they were a child and they had an unclouded brow. I think that means, you know how when you frown, your brow means this area around your, your eyebrows. So your brow gets bent, all bent over with wrinkles. So unclouded brow, I think would mean that someone who doesn't do that because they're happy. And dreaming eyes of wonder. So like a kid full of dreams and... Though time be fleet, and I and thou are half a life asunder. Okay, so time is fleet means time be fleet. That means time is fast. It goes fast. You know, one day you girls both are going to be grown-ups. And you will remember the time when you were kids together. Yeah, maybe you're going to feel, maybe you will feel something similar to this. And maybe one day you'll be reading this book to your children and you'll remember me. It would be my pleasure to be remembered like that. So let's continue. Though time be fleet and I and thou are half a life asunder. So it seems they haven't seen each other for a long time. Thy loving smile will surely hail the love gift of a fairy tale. All right, so he's gifting her this fairy tale, which we will read. I have not seen thy sunny face, nor heard thy silver laughter. No thought of me shall find a place in thy young lives hereafter. And of that now thou wilt not fail to listen to my fairy tale. Okay, Um, if I remember, didn't we read the ending of the previous book? And he wrote these books for a little girl called Alice. She was the sister of someone he knew. So maybe this poem is for that little girl. Did he not have children? I don't remember. But anyway, so he's talking to this little girl, perhaps. Let's see what else. I have not seen thy sunny face nor hear thy say, okay. A tale begun in other days when summer suns were glowing. A simple chime that served to time the rhythm of our rowing. Mm-hmm. So it seems perhaps he would row together with this person. Whose echoes live in memory yet, though envious ears would say, forget. So. All of these pleasant memories that he's thinking of happened a long time ago and it was such a happy time and presently he doesn't feel that much happy anymore. So the present years are envious of those happy past years and that's why the envious years would say forget. So the envious years of the present would say. Forget those happy years of a long time ago because they're envious. That's very nice. Come, hearken then, ear voice of dread, with bitter tidings laden, shall summon to a welcome bed a melancholy maiden. We are but older children, dear, who fret to find our bedtime near. Okay. Older children. I guess this, this is a long time ago. Maybe the... The person has grown up as well. Come hearken then our voice of dread, ear voice of dread, with bitter tidings laden, shall summon to unwelcome, bad a melancholy maiden. I think it might be talking about death, not completely sure, or maybe just being grown ups. just being not happy and just happy all the time, like a kid. It's not really just being happy all the time, it's being capable of pure happiness, unconcerned. Anyway, let's keep going. Without the frost, the blinding snow, the storm winds' moody madness. Within, the firelight's ruddy glow and childhood's nest of gladness. Oh, so, so he's talking about being in winter. It's snowing outside, it's really cold. you remember how unpleasant it is to be in a very cold place. So outside it's cold, inside you're warm. With so without, which is another way to say outside, without just like we have within and without. So without the frost, the blinding snow, the storm wind's moody madness, within the firelight's ruddy glow, and childhood's nest of gladness. The magic words shall hold thee fast. Thou shalt not heed the raving blast. Okay, so the pleasant place away from the threatening cold. And though the shadow of a sigh may tremble through the story, for happy summer days gone by and vanished summer glory, I shall not touch with breath of Baal the pleasance of our fairy tale. Okay. Even though this fairy tale, which we will read, it brings a little sadness because of the memory of this past happiness. He will not touch it with a breath of bale, meaning a bundle of paper, hay cotton, tightly wrapped. Isn't there another... Hmm... Anyway, I shall not touch with breath of Baal the pleasance of our fairy tale. With breath of Baal. Not sure what that means, but I think he's saying that he won't let this tinge of happiness affect the story. The story has to be pure, concentrated happiness of that beautiful past. All right. If you were ready to start, chapter one, Looking Glass House. You remember I told you in the past recording that looking glass is an old way of saying, saying mirror. So it's a mirror house, a house made mirror, of mirror, mirrors, I suppose. I've never read this one. I had some sense of the previous one. I had a memory of how it ended in some parts. But this one, I have no knowledge of it. I don't even know what the looking, the looking glasses do. So it's going to be i I'm going to be experiencing it just like you girls for for the first time. So let's see how it goes. One thing was certain that the white kitten had had nothing to do with it. It was the black kitten's fault entirely. For the white kitten had been having its face washed by the old cat for the last quarter of an hour and bearing it pretty well, considering. So you see that it couldn't have had any hand in the mischief. Okay, so uh, it's not quite clear what's happening, but something, something bad or naughty happened. And there are two cats that could be involved, but the narrator is sure that it wasn't the white cat It was the black cat. Let's see what happened. The way Dinah washed her children... Remember, Dinah is the name of Alice's cat. The way Dinah washed her children's faces was this. First... Oh, so Dinah, Alice's cat, had babies. She had babies now. The way Dinah washed her children's face was this. First, she held the poor thing down by its ear with one paw, and then with the other paw, paw she rubbed its face all over the wrong way, beginning at the nose. And just now, as I said, she was hard at work on the white kitten, which was lying quite still and trying to purr, no doubt feeling that it was all meant for its good. But the black kitten had been vanished with earlier in the afternoon, had been vanished with earlier in the afternoon. And so, while Alice was sitting curled up in a corner of the great armchair, half talking to herself and half asleep. Oh, so you see Alice is about to fall asleep again. <laughs> Alice was sitting curled up in a corner of the great armchair, half talking to herself and half asleep. The kitten had been having a grand game of rumps with the ball of worsted. What's worsted? A fine smooth yarn. Oh, it's, um, what's it called? You know how old ladies have two sticks to, and they, and this yarn that they put together and they make clothes? Knitting, it's called. So how old ladies, knit So that's the ball of worsted is that Ball with the thing that the ladies used to knit Yarn, I suppose anyway, Alice had been trying to wind up And had been rolling it up and down and down till it had all come undone again Okay, and there it was spread over the hearth, hearth rug that's a, a rug in front of a fireplace a hearth rug, all knots and tangles with the kitten running after its own tail in the middle. Oh, you wicked little thing, cried Alice, catching up the kitten. I think the naughty, as far as I, the naughty thing that happened is that one of the kitten undid the, the ball of yarn. Oh, you wicked little thing, cried Alice, catching up the kitten and giving it a little kiss to make it understand that it was in disgrace. (laughs) That's the opposite, of course. since the opposite message. Really, Dinah? Really? Dinah ought to have taught you better manners. You ought, Dinah. You know you ought. She added, looking reproachfully at the old cat, and speaking in a cross a voice as she could manage. And then she scrambled back into the armchair, taking the kitten, speaking in as cross a voice as she could manage. And then she scrambled back into the armchair, taking the kitten and the worsted with her and began winding up the ball again. But she didn't get on very fast as she was talking all the time, sometimes to the kitten and sometimes to herself. Kitty said very demurely, on her knee, let's see what the mural it is. I have a sense of it from the dem- mirror, but let's see. the uh, little wife who sits at home, reserved, modest and shy. So, pretending to watch the progress of the winding. No, Kitty sat very demurely on her knee, pretending to watch the progress of the winding and now and then putting out one paw and gently touching the ball, as if it would be glad to help if it might. ''Do you know what tomorrow is, Kitty?'' Alice began. ''You'd have guessed it if you'd been up in the window with me. Only Dinah was making you tidy, so you couldn't. I was watching the boys getting in sticks for the bonfire, and it wants plenty of sticks, Kitty!'' only it got so cold and it snowed so they had to leave off. Never mind, Kitty, we'll go and see the bonfire tomorrow. Here, Alice wound two or three turns of the worsted round the kitten's neck just to see how it would look. This led to a scramble in which the ball rolled down upon the floor and the and yards of it got unwound again. Do you know I was so angry, Kitty, Alice went on as soon as they were comfortably settled again. When I saw all the mischief you had been doing, I was very nearly opening the window and putting you out into the snow. And you'd have deserved it, you little mischievous darling. What have you got to say for yourself? Now don't interrupt me, she went on, holding up one finger. I'm going to tell you all your faults. Number one, you squeaked twice while Dinah was washing your face this morning. Now you can't deny it, Kitty. I hurt you. What's that you say? Pretending that the kitten was speaking. Her paw went into your eye. Well, that's your fault. You keep your eyes open. If you'd shut them tied up, it wouldn't have happened. Now don't make any more excuses, but listen. Number two. Pulled Snowdrop away by the tail, just as I had put down the saucer of milk before her. Why, you were thirsty, were you? How do you know she wasn't thirsty too? Now for number three. You unwound every bit of the worsted while I wasn't looking. That's three faults, Kitty, and you've not been punished for any of them yet. You know I'm saving up all your punishments for Wednesday week. Suppose they had saved up all my punishments. She went on talking more to herself than the kitten. What would they do at the end of a year? I should be sent to prison, I suppose, when the day came. Or, let me see. Suppose each punishment was to be going without a dinner. Then, when the miserable day came... I should have to go without 50 dinners at once. Well, I shouldn't mind that much. I'd far rather go without them than eat them. Do you hear the snow against the window panes, Kitty? How nice and soft it sounds! Just as if someone was kissing the window all over outside. I wonder if the snow loves the trees and the fields, that it kisses them so gently. And then it covers them up snug, you know, with a white quilt. Quilt. And perhaps it says, go to sleep, darlings, till the summer comes again. And when they wake up in the summer, Kitty, they dress themselves all in green and dance about whenever the window blows. Oh, that's very pretty, cried Alice, dropping the ball of worsted to clap her hands. And I do so wish it was true. I'm sure the woods look sleepy in the autumn, when the leaves are getting brown. Kitty, can you play chess? Now, don't smile, my dear. I'm asking it seriously, because when we were playing just now, you watched just as if you understood it. And when I said, check, you purred. Well, it was a nice check, Kitty, and really I might have won if it hadn't been for that nasty night that came wiggling down among my pieces. Kitty dear, let's pretend, and here I wish I could tell you half the things Alice used to say, beginning with her favorite phrase, let's pretend. She had had quite a long argument with her sister, only the day before, all because because Alice had begun with, let's pretend we're kings and queens. And her sister, who liked being very exact, had argued that they couldn't because there were only two of them. And Alice had been reduced at last to say, Well, you can be one of them then, and I'll be all the rest. And once she had really frightened her old nurse by shouting suddenly in her ear, Nurse, do, let's pretend that I'm a hungry hyena and you're a bone. But this is taking us away from Alice's speech to the kitten. Let's pretend that you're the Red Queen, Kitty. Do you know, I think if you sat up and folded your arms, you'd look exactly like her. Now do try. There's a deer. And Alice got the Red Queen off the table and set it up before the kitten. (sighs) As a model for it to imitate. However, the thing didn't succeed. Principally, Alice said, because the kitten wouldn't fold its arms properly. So, to punish it, she held it up to the looking glass. Mm, a looking glass. That it might see how sulky it was. And if you're not good directly, she added, I'll put your fruit into looking glass house. How would you like that? Oh, so she's talking about the house that you see when you look into the mirror. It's like another reality. It's like there's someone else and that someone else is living in the house looks like yours. So that's the house she's talking about. I'll put you through into looking glass house. How would you like that? Now, if you only attend Kitty and not talk so much, I'll tell you all my ideas about looking glass house. First, there's the room you can see through the glass. That's just the same as our drawing room. Only the things go the other way. I can see all of it when I get upon a chair, all but the bit behind the fireplace. Oh, I do so wish I could see that bit. I want so much to know whether they have fire in the winter. You never can tell, you know, unless our fire smokes. And then the smoke comes up in that room too. But that may be only pretense, just to make it look as if they had a fire. Well then, the books are something like our books, only the words go the wrong way. I know that because I've held up one of our books to the glass, and then they hold up one in the other room. (laughs) That's funny. How would you like to live in Looking Glass House, Kitty? I wonder if they give you milk in there. Perhaps Looking Glass milk isn't good to drink. But, oh, Kitty, now we come to the passage, you can just see a little peep of the passage in Looking Glass House. If you leave the door of our drawing room wide open, and it's very like our passage as far as you can see, only you know it may be quite different on Beyond. Oh, Kitty, how nice it would be if we could only get through into looking glass house. I'm sure it's got all such beautiful things in it. Let's pretend there's a way of getting through into it somehow, Kitty. Let's pretend the glass has got all soft like gauze so that we can get through. Why? It's turning into a sort of mist now. I declare it will be easy enough to get through. She was up on the chimney piece while she said this, though she hardly knew how she had got there. Oh, I think she fell asleep. Maybe this is the moment when she falls asleep. She was up on the chimney piece while she said this, though she hardly knew how she had got there. (sighs) And certainly the glass was beginning to melt away, just like a bright silvery mist. In another moment, Alice was through the glass, and had jumped lightly down into the looking-glass room. The very first thing she did was to look whether there was a fire in the fireplace, and she was quite pleased to find that there was a real one, blazing away as brightly as the one she had left behind. So I should be as warm here as I was in the old room, thought Alice. Warmer, in fact, because there would be no more here to scold me away from the fire. Oh, what fun it will be when they see me through the glass in here and can't get at me. That's an interesting thought. Then she began looking about and noticed that what could be seen from the old room was quite common and uninteresting, but that all the rest was as different as possible. For instance, the pictures on the wall next to the fire seemed to be all alive, and the very clock on the chimney piece, you know you can only see the back of it in the looking glass, had got the face of a little old man and grinned at her. Hmm. They don't keep this room so tidy as the other, Alice thought to herself, as she noticed several of the chessmen down in the hearth among the cinders. But in another moment, with a little, oh, of surprise, she was down on her hands and knees watching them. The chessmen were walking about, two and two. So in the previous book, they were playing cards, and now we have chess pieces. Here are the Red King and the Red Queen, Alice said in a whisper for fear of frightening them. And there are the White King and the White Queen sitting on the edge of the shovel. shovel, And here are two castles walking arm in arm. I don't think they can hear me, she went on, as she put her head closer down. And I'm nearly sure they can't see me. I feel somehow as if I were invisible. Here, something began squeaking on the table behind Alice. This is... Okay... Um, Here, something began squeaking on the table behind Alice and made her turn her head just in time to see one of the white pawns roll over and begin kicking. She watched it with great curiosity to see what would happen next. It is the voice of my child, the white queen cried out as she rushed past the king, so violently that she knocked him over among the cinders. "'My precious lily, my imperial kitten.' And she began scrambling wildly up the side of the fender. "'Imperial imperial fiddlesticks!' Fiddlestick, said the king, rubbing his nose, which had been hurt by the fall. He had a right to be a little annoyed with the queen, for he was covered with ashes from head to foot. Alice was very anxious to be of use, and as the poor little lily was nearly screaming herself into a fit, she hastily picked up the queen and set her on the table by the side of her noisy little daughter. The queen gasped and sat down. The rapid journey through the air had quite taken away her breath, and for a minute or two she could do nothing but hug the little lily in silence. As soon as she had recovered her breath a little, she called out to the white king, who was sitting sulkily among the ashes. Mind the volcano! What volcano? said the king, looking up anxiously into the fire, as if he thought that was the most likely place to find one. Oh, I think what she thought it was a volcano, but it was Alice. Blew me up! panted the queen, who was still a little out of breath. Mind you come up the regular way? Don't get blown up. Alice watched the white king as he slowly struggled up from bar to bar till at last she said, Why, you'll be hours and hours getting to the table at that rate. I'd far better help you, hadn't I? But the king took no notice of the question. It was quite clear that he could neither hear her nor see her. So it seems that Alice is invisible in this looking-glass world. So, so Alice picked him up very gently and lifted him across more slowly than she had lifted the queen, that she might not take his breath away. But before she put him on the table, she thought she might as well dust him a little, he was so covered with ashes. She said afterwards that she had never seen in all her life such a face as the king made when he found himself held in the air by an invisible hand. And being dusted, he was far too much astonished to cry out, but his eyes and his mouth went on getting larger and larger and rounder and rounder, till her head shook so with laughter, That she nearly let him drop upon the floor. Oh, please don't make such faces, my dear, she cried out, quite forgetting that the king couldn't hear her. You make me laugh so that I can hardly hold you, and don't keep your mouth so wide open. All the ashes will get into it. There, now I think you're tidy enough, she added as she smoothed his hair and sat him upon the table near the queen. The king immediately fell flat on his back and lay perfectly still, and Alice was a little alarmed at what she had done and went round the room to see if she could find any water to throw over him. However, she could find nothing uh, nothing but a bottle of ink, and when she got back with it, she found he had recovered. And he and the queen were talking together in a frightened whisper, so low that Alice could hardly hear what what they said. The king was saying, I assure you, my dear, I turned cold to the very end of my whiskers, to which the queen replied, You haven't got any whiskers. The horror of that moment the king went on, I shall never... Never forget. You will, though. The queen said, "If you don't make a memorandum of it." Wow, well, this chapter is still going strong. I'm I'm super sleepy, but I I think I can still finish it tonight. King made the king May fell flat on his back. They broke this too. What? I just here. <sighs> if you don't make a memorandum of it. Alice looked on with great interest as the king took an enormous Oh girls, I'm super sleepy. I better go to sleep. Oh I'll send you this this recording and tomorrow I'll record tomorrow, okay? I love you girls. Have a good night.